Thank you, Andrew. Am I on? I'm on. It is, it is great to be a part of a church family. I, I'm just very, very thankful myself. And uh, I just um, want to say that on, uh, on Thursday, I went down to a conference with Andrew and Lorraine and, and I... And I uh, Got out of the, when I got out of the car, I was a bit dizzy and, and uh, you know, but through the conference I was all right and I had the next day off on the Friday. Yes, it wasn't Andrew's driving. And I, and I actually had Friday designated to take off because I wanted to, uh, I knew I was uh, up this morning and um, so I'd arrange with the guys at work, thanks guys at work for holding the fort there. And, uh, and I woke up and I was just really spinning and uh, wasn't well. And to cut a long short story short, I was on bus on Kids Inc. and I was on Kids Inc. And uh, I just knew I couldn't do bus and I, was, I had a couple of hours preparing. God got me through that. But I was just in this place. Well, Lord, I'll be okay for this morning because uh, I knew God had already given me pretty much the message. But I went to Kids Inc. I had to go to Kids Inc. I was the only guy on it, and I, my head spinning. And uh, we got through that, and Dee prayed with me. My wife Lynn had been praying with me that I would be well, that I go home, sleep, get up Saturday morning, and be well. Praise God, that's what happened. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. But there was just people around carrying the load, and uh, God has given us a family, a church family, to carry the, to help carry the load. Amen. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Father God, I thank you that you've called us to yourself through your Son, Jesus Christ, that you've brought us into your family, Father God, and that we're a part of a local church. It's your church, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, for your word, the Bible, Lord, and we thank you for the Holy Spirit that you would speak to us this morning, even as you have already spoken, in Jesus' name. I just hold in, in, in mind that which Andrew has said, Lord, that, that we have peace with God. Be still and know that I am God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a time and a place we need to step out and obey God. Obey what you're saying to us, Father God. Obey your call in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We've been doing a, a series on Joseph, and we're into uh, week four, Joseph from, from dreams to destiny. I'm going to read uh, Genesis uh, chapter 40. I'm not going to expound all this uh, passage, but we're going to lift some uh, truths and apply some principles to our lives. Let's hear what God has to say. Genesis chapter 40. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody... For some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. 
When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why are your faces so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, In my dream I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison, for I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in prison, in, sorry, in, dungeon, in this dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favourable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and hang you on a tree or impale you on a pole. Sorry, I just lost my place now. (laughs) It's not a pretty thought, is it? (laughs) And the birds will eat away your flesh. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. He forgot him. You know, it's impossible to read through the account of Joseph in the book of Genesis and not be, uh, and, and not be struck by the sovereignty of God, not be struck by the sovereignty of God, the plan that God is working out, his master plan and, and fulfilling those initial dreams, the prophetic dreams that he gave to Joseph. It's also hard not to be struck by the faithfulness of Joseph. He, he is so faithful to, to God. He has a heart after God. And we saw that last week, didn't we, when Andrew preached and he uh, ran from, from Potiphar's wife. He's got a, a heart that's, uh, that's full of fidelity to God. He is faithful. And even in prison, as Andrew uh, as we read last week and Andrew talked about, he's in prison and, and life is not a bed of roses for Joseph. It's not all easy, but God is with him. 
and God is, is giving him favour. The, the Lord is with him. Yahweh is with him in, in the prison. And today, if you're in Christ Jesus, if you know Jesus, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, Joseph's father, is with you. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is with you. He is with us. The creator of the heavens and earth is with us. He is with us. Christ is in you if you know Jesus today. And if you don't know Jesus today, he wants you to. He wants you to be in relationship with him. Peace with God comes only through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Relationship with God only through trusting in what Jesus has done for you and I on the cross. We need to repent, that is, turn from our sin and turn to God. And God promises to be with you, to be with you, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the circumstances. But Jesus calls us to follow him, to trust him, and to obey him. We do that because God first loved us, amen? We love God because He first loved us. He gave Himself, His one and only Son, on the cross for you and I. And we obey God out of a response to His love. That's what God wants us to do. And that's what we're called to do. To, to, demonstrate, to demonstrate God's love, God's kingdom, in whatever circumstance we're in. It's a little bit what Joseph was doing. He was serving faithfully, even in the, in the confinement of the prison. And God gave him favour. He served faithfully. That's a bit out of whack, isn't it? <laughs> I've just got on the, on the screen there and note that, the net, that faith, the noun faith and faithfulness is exactly the same word in both Hebrew and Greek. So both in our Old Testament scriptures and in the New Testament scriptures, the noun faith and faithfulness is exactly the same word. The just, the righteous will live by faith. Biblical faith will, will affect the way you and I live. It will affect the way we serve. It will affect what we do. Faith in God, the righteous will live by faith. Not our, not our own righteousness, God's righteousness, His righteousness when we trust in Christ. The righteous will live by faith. I'm not going, we're not going to read it, but Jesus told a parable, the parable of the ten miners. And you might not like to read it and in the light of uh, Joseph. And think about that. But as Jesus said in that parable that those who were faithful, those who, who, who were faithful were given responsibility, were put in charge in the coming kingdom of, of more uh, cities. They were given responsibility. Joseph was faithful to God. And if you read right through to the end, you'll see that God actually gives him much responsibility. Faithfulness to God is what the Lord is calling us to do and be no matter what our situation, we can trust in Him. We can know Him.
See, Joseph is confined in prison. Joseph is in a place of confinement. He's restricted. And though this situation is somewhat favourable, nonetheless, it's not, not easy for him. The restraints are imposed upon him. And I wonder how distant the realisation of the dream, the realisation of God's call to Joseph seemed to him. I wonder how distant and far away it seemed as he's in, as he's in that prison. Approximately about 15 years before, God had spoken to him and, and giving him the dreams. And he knew, I wonder how much he knew actually, but he knew he was called to rule. He knew that. He was hated and despised by his brothers and he was sold into slavery. He, he, he comes to Egypt and has, is given favour, rises to prominence and, and, and then, wrongly accused, is thrown into this prison, is put into this prison. But the favour of God, God is with him, serving God faithfully. The, the, the warden takes notice and sees he sees the works. He sees. That's what will happen when we live by faith. When the just will live by faith. People will see. They will see God in and through us. And he spends about five years in this prison. If my years are not a, a, a wrong, I'm sorry, but I'm, going off, I'm just going off the, what's in my uh, chain reference Bible here. I think that's ushers, but check me out on it. And so he's in the prison another five years. And I'm wondering how, how he's feeling about that original dream. How he's feeling. And some of us this morning, God has called us. God has called you and I. And he's given you a dream. He's called you to follow and serve Jesus Christ wholeheartedly. He has called you, but you're in a place. We can be in a place, a circumstance and we think, Lord, is this really going to happen? Is this really going to work out? But God, God's sovereign purposes are being worked out. You see, Joseph is confined in a prison. He is confined, but his God is not. Our God is not confined. God's plan will not fail. His plans will not fail. In the place of confinement, when we feel confined, when we are confined, God does not want us to be bound in that place, to be bound by sin or to be bound by Satan or any circumstances while we're in that place. He may or may not remove us from it, but He does not want us to be. He wants us, even in that place of confinement, Joseph was in a place of confinement, but he wants us to be free. He wants us to know our freedom in Christ and be faithful to the call that God has called us to, to be the person God has called us to be. Amen? To show Christ in that place of confinement. It's interesting that Joseph, while yet in prison while yet in confinement, had a fair degree of freedom. He experienced God's grace and effectively served God. When we're in a place of confinement, 
Be looking out. Be looking for the opportunities God is giving you. Be giving, looking for the opportunities God is giving you to serve and respond and do them. Just be looking for the opportunities that you know the Bible has, has instructed you in and just act upon them. When you're in the place of confinement, respond to God's grace, the grace He has given you in that place. I want to look just briefly at a couple of places of that, or circumstances that we can find ourselves confined by or confined in. And the first one I want to look at is money. And I want to read Philippians 4, 12, 13 there. Paul says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. Next time we quote that scripture, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You might remember that Paul's talking about money. You see, usually, and for us in the West, the lack of money, we think, can, will, can, will hinder God's work in, our, in and through our lives. But that's, it's not true. That's a lie. The lack of money will, does not have to uh, limit what God wants to do through your life. He will fulfill your purposes for you and through you, whether you've got a lot or whether you've got little. Sometimes I think a lot is, is a more of a burden, easier to get distracted and not trusting God when we've got a lot. The Apostle Paul says, I can do everything. I've learnt the secret of being content in every, in every situation. Whether I'm well-fed or hungry, I am going to fulfill and do God's purposes for my life through Jesus, through, through His grace who gives me strength. Never think that your, your material circumstance is limiting what God is doing in and through your life. God has you exactly where He wants you. Amen. You know, sometimes our place of work or for those going to school can seem a confinement. We can, we can feel confined by, by our work, our, our circumstances. Now, God really has given us work and school, and He wants us to, to, uh, and to see that as a blessing and to uh, thank Him for that. But nonetheless, sometimes we're in, a, we're in a place, we're at school, we're a young person going to school, going to uni, studying, and you get to a place and you think, why the heck am I doing this? You know, I feel restrained in this. I've got to get up and go to school every day. When you like Matt and he wants to be out on the street preaching every day. <laughs> Matt, was, Matt was telling me a bit about his school experience. But we feel confined. We can feel confined and think that somehow this doesn't fit into God's plan. This is limiting me in what God wants to do in and through me. That's a lie. It's not limiting you. God has you in that place. Look for the opportunities to serve Jesus. Look to the, for the opportunities in that place and be faithful to God in that place. We can be in a place of work. We think, oh, I've just got this job because it's the only job that was available. Or I've got this job, I'm in this profession, I'm not too sure that it's what I'm really called to do. And we can feel confined and we can feel restricted and frustrated 
If, our, if, if we don't watch ourselves and our attitude, God wants us to be thankful and look for the opportunities. He may or may not uh, take us out of that place. And I understand there's a place in the call of God to get up and leave things. But listen to this, 1 Corinthians 7, 20-24. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can, gain your freedom, do so. For the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who was free when called in Christ is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. Brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Notice Paul, is, he's not uh, condoning slavery and the slavery of the New Testament time was probably, it wasn't too bad if you had a good, a good master. But it still wasn't the best of place. If you can get your freedom, Paul says, go for it, get your freedom. But in the, in the meantime, God has called you to that place. Serve God faithfully. Don't let it worry you. Doesn't mean you're any less of a Christian, no matter where you are, no matter what circumstance you're in. Serve God faithfully. Trust in Jesus Christ. You're His. You're His slave. You're His servant. You're His child. You're all sons and daughters of the living God. Amen, no matter what. Don't let the place of work confine you or school or your circumstances. Illness. Illness can confine us. We feel confined. We feel restricted. We're not well and we can't do what we would like. This is what Galatians, Paul says to the Galatians, as you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as I were an angel of God, as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. It's very likely Paul had something wrong with his eyes. He had an illness. And for whatever reason, God had not healed him. He had not healed him instantly. At this time, he had an illness. Did that slow down the Apostle Paul? Uh Uh-uh, no way. He says, it's because of an illness, Galatian church, that I preach the gospel to you. Somehow this illness opened up the door to preach the gospel. When When we're feeling it, when we're not well, don't let the devil tell you you're ineffective. You haven't been healed yet. You haven't got enough faith. Just keep on serving Jesus and trusting him. You're confined in that place, but God's grace is not God's power is not confined. His word is not chained. Amen? And by all means, we keep trusting and looking to Jesus, to God for his healing. But we continue to follow Jesus. It's a lie of the enemy. It's a lie of the enemy to say, because you're sick and not well, you're not effective for God. God will bring glory. He'll bring glory to you through your illness if you allow him. Amen. Thank you, Father. The enemy, the enemy himself can confine us. Listen to this, Thessalonians 2, 17 to 18. But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, 
out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly Paul, certainly I, Paul, did, again and again, but Satan blocked our way. The Apostle Paul wanted to come to the Thessalonian church, but Satan blocked his way. Some scriptures say Satan hindered him. Some simply say, but Satan stopped me. He stopped us. He blocked our way. The devil confined to a point the Apostle Paul. And in that place, the devil wants to think you're done for, that you're defeated, that God's purposes won't prevail, but he's lying. They will. They will prevail. And what does the Apostle Paul do? I'm not, I'm not going to read it all now, but if you went to First uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 and 3, you could read it through and you could see the response of the Apostle Paul. Satan's blocked his way. In, in a sense, he's somewhat confined. He says, well, I can't go. I'm going to send Timothy. I'm looking for another way. What, what, great, what, what is God doing? What, is, what grace is God giving us? He says, I'm sending Timothy to the Thessalonians and that's what he does. He sends Timothy. And then as you read on, he hasn't given up the Apostle Paul. He keeps on praying when the devil's blocked his way. And what's he do? He simply says in, in First Thessalonians chapter 3 that I pray to God our Father, I pray to the Father and to our Lord Jesus that, that he will make the way open. Spiritual warfare is first and foremost, first and f- first and foremost, praying to God the Father through Jesus Christ, His Son, that God would make the way. Amen. And He prays. And I'm got to do some study whether He ever got back to the church in Thessalonia. I'm not, I don't know. But if the enemies blocking us, if he's making it difficult, he has not won. He has lost the battle. God is working out his sovereign plan in and through you. Amen? In all these circumstances, it is a lie of the enemy to say that you're done with serving God, that in some way your life and your service is inferior. It's a lie of the enemy. God says, I'm giving you grace in this place. I'm giving you grace in this moment. This is what Jesus said to, in Revelation 2, 8 11. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, these are the words of him who was the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all, by the second death. Wow. Jesus himself 
to the church in Smyrna, saying, I'm telling you, the devil's going to put some of you in prison. He didn't stop it happening. I, I, I'm, I'm not explaining that. But persecution can be a place of confinement. And this is a serious case here, isn't it? We haven't experienced that in Australia. It may well come one day. And Jesus says, just don't be afraid. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. You're in a place of confinement. Just be faithful. Just be faithful to Jesus. You know, church can be a place of confinement. Our church, in a positive way, I believe. Sometimes we can feel it in a frustrating way, but church can be a place of confinement. I myself, my gifting, my ministry, what I think the church should be doing, oh boy, it can become a frustration if I'm not careful. But Ephesians 5.21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for, for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, as I prefer, as I think of others better than myself, as I think not simply of what my call and my gifting, I think of the church's call and the church's gifting, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I learn to put myself second and God's purposes first. Joseph's dreams were not actually, his calls, not actually just for himself. There's a much bigger picture God is playing out. Joseph has a growing dependence upon God. I believe as we read the, read, this, read the account of Joseph, we can pick up a bit that he's got a growing dependence upon God. And I'll go to Genesis 40, in, uh, verse uh, 8 there. Thanks, thanks Josiah. The, uh, the uh, cupbearer and baker say to Joseph, we both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to, the, to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Do not interpretations belong to God? It's not about Joseph, it's about God. Do not interpretations belong to God? In the first place, Joseph challenges their pagan view of dreams and, and, and dreamology, if you want to call it that. Because they had a view that, that they'd have dreams and they'd get in all, their, all sorts of people trying to interpret their dreams. And, God's, and, and Joseph said, well, if, it, if, it, if Joseph knows if it dreams from God, it's for God to interpret. It's for God to interpret. And I believe God speaks to us today in dreams and visions. I want to say, if God speaks to you in a dream and a vision, it'll be with purpose. And as a child of God, as a son and daughter of God, you have direct access to Father God through the Spirit. He will give you the interpretation. He will give you the interpretation. Be wary of mysticism. Go straight to God and get to God and to His Word, the Bible, and see what God says. Do not interpretations belong to God. And by extension, I want to extend this out a little bit. 
does not the call of God, the dream that God has given you and I, the call of God that he has given you and I, does not that the, the interpretation of that dream or the interpretation of that prophetic word or the interpretation of that which you know in your heart God has called you to, does not the outworking of that belong to God? Does not how that looks in the end belong to God? Often we start to think, I think this is what it's going to look like, God. Or this is what I think it's going to, and I'm going for that. Okay? But in the place of confinement, listen to me, in the place of confinement, we learn to trust God and that it's all about God's purposes and plans. It's all about my relationship with Him first. In the place of confinement, God's still working out His plans. It's better than what you imagine. But it's not about you. You'll be fulfilled in it, but it's not firstly about you. It's firstly about God. And it's about other people. It's about bringing salvation to other people. Amen. Proverbs 16.9. Have I got that up there? Can I get to Proverbs? Can I flick to it? Proverbs 16, verse 9, I'll read it. In his heart, a man's plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Amen. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. But we have a role to play. We're not passive in God's plan. As Andrew said, you know, God is sovereign and God is working out his sovereign plan. That doesn't mean we're just giving up everything to fate. We have responsibility to be faithful. We have responsibility in the plan of God. And I want to read from, uh, I mean, chapter 40. I'll go to verse 14. And so Joseph has given a, a, good in, a, a favorable interpretation to the uh, cupbearer. <laughs> and he says to uh, the cupbearer, but when, in verse 14, but when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. <laughs> For I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to be deserved being put in this dungeon. Some translations, to be put in this pit. And I'm wondering if there's a little bit of frustration in, with jo in Joseph. I think so. And when I read dungeon at the first time, I thought, is he in a dungeon? Some translations say pit. He may be referencing back a bit to when he was first thrown in a pit, I'm not sure. But he's in quite a favourable place in a way. But it feels like the pits. <laughs> and in some ways, it is. But you know, in that place, we've got a decision to make. We've got a choice to make. Whether to keep trusting Jesus and being faithful to him. Or whether we're going to drown in self-pity or whether we're going to uh, give in to the circumstance. Joseph, he
He's not passive. He's looking for a way out. Amen? God's going to give you a way out. But the timing, I'm not telling you. But he's giving you a way out. Joseph was another two years after this. But he's giving you, he'll get you out. He'll bring you into the freedom and into the purposes that he has for you. But we have a role to play. We're to take some action while we're in that place of confinement. We're to live by the truth that we know, by the light that we have. Okay? We're to live by the revelation that God has given us. He has given us His Word. We're in a place of confinement. He's given us His Word. Lots of instruction. uh, Lots of things. Attitudes that we have while in the place of confinement. Lots, lots of things in the Bible. That's, he's given us His Word. He spoke to your heart through the Holy Spirit. He's spoken to you a Word. We're to live by that Word. We're to live by the light that we have. Paul says this. I'll go into the flicker, if I could, to number 12, 1 Timothy. I'll get there. Thank you. Sorry about that. 1 Timothy 1.18.19 Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them you might fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith. Where to fight the good fight of faith? Where to get a hold of God's Word and what He has spoken to us And by faith, hold on to Jesus and hold on to his promises. We're to pray them through. If God has given you a word and you know it's a prophetic call, remember that word. God is going to fulfill it. You're not, okay? But you're to pray it through and to hold on. Hold on. But especially hold on to Jesus Christ, God's Son. Hold on to the truths of the Scripture. Hold on to the truth in that place of confinement and fight the good fight. Don't be passive. God is going to work out his plan in and through you and I. Amen? Amen. Joseph, he told the truth. Joseph told the truth. We need to be people who are truthful. What a call Joseph had. He tells one guy, he tells the uh, cupbearer, he's going to be restored to a place of honour and pour Pharaoh's uh, wine for him again. And to the baker... He tells him the truth. He tells him he's going to be hanged or put on a pole, depending what translation you want to go with. That's just awesome, isn't it? (laughs) Awful. What a thing to have to relate to someone. The only thing I could think of, or at least the guy had, he knew he was going to die and hopefully he cried out to God. But he did not shirk from the truth. And as believers in Christ, no matter what the situation is, how difficult it is, we need to be true to God's Word, the Bible. We need to be true to Jesus. We need to speak the truth in love. It's a big call. Paul says this, But thanks be to God who always leads us captives in Christ's triumphal procession. Amen? And uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are to God 
the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To one we are the aroma that brings death, to the other the aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Let's be people who speak before God, who speak to others with sincerity and we tell the truth you know I'm not a fire and brimstone preacher I'm not a fire and brimstone preacher I actually don't believe in dangling people over the fires of hell so to speak but I don't shirk away from God's judgment and hell you read carefully the Acts of the Apostles Jesus himself and how they spoke about God's coming judgment we need There's a time, and there's a right time in preaching the gospel. There is a heaven, and there is a hell. We need to speak the truth in love. Are are you confined this morning? Do you feel confined? God wants you to know His grace, His love, and His power in that place of confinement. He is still working out his purposes in and through your life if you belong to Jesus today. He just calls you to be faithful. It's simply trusting in him. Simply trust Jesus. Are you in chains this morning? God, even in a place of confinement, God does not want you and I in chains. The chains of sin, the chains of resentment, the chains of anger and frustration. God does not want you in that place. It's possible for us to harden our heart in a place of confinement. God wants to soften your heart this morning and my heart. Has, has, has the dream died? Have you let it die? The call of God, as Andrew has said this morning, I believe that is from God. That some of us, we know we're called by God to do specific things, but we felt confined for whatever reason. That may continue for some time. I'm not God. I'm not, I'm not telling you when he's going to get you out of that. But he's working his purposes in and through you right now. But he wants to ignite that, that call. He wants you to respond to the call. He, there's people in here this morning. You may well need, you got caught up in sin. You need to turn from it. You see, sin is death. It will bind you and it will hinder. It will damage potentially God's call and what he wants on your life but it need not it need not because there is forgiveness and restoration there is forgiveness and restoration and God in his sovereignty I don't know how it works exactly but he works out everything he works all things for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose if you will repent and turn to him and trust him he he will set you free He can do that this morning, and he wants to. Has has the enemy robbed your joy? Has the enemy robbed your joy? God can restore it. He wants to, and he will, and he is. Has he robbed your joy? I'm going to ask the band to come.
the worship team. We're going to have a time of prayer if anyone would want and feel to receive some prayer this morning that brothers and sisters of Christ stand together and pray. We're going to open that up, up here at the front. If you need to talk to someone, sometime this journey is long and hard. It can seem that way and you need counsel, you need to talk to someone. I encourage you to seek someone out you know. Seek the leadership, seek a trusted person, a, a mature Christian to talk with about your struggle. But this morning, I believe God, He wants us to pray for one another, to confirm, to clarify, to reignite the call of God on your life. He wants us all to be effectively serving Him in the place we are. You know, Zechariah 9 verse 12 says this. It's a, it's a, it's a word to, to Israel in its first place, but it says this, Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. I just believe in Christ Jesus. We are prisoners of hope. If you're in Christ, you can't escape hope if you're in Christ. Amen. Thanks, thanks, team. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand and let's, let's worship God together. Thank you.